Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. Savior, I would go where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. Everywhere he leads me, I would follow, follow on, walking in his footsteps till the crown be won. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere I would follow on. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Everywhere he leads me, I would follow on. Down in the valley or upon the mountain steep, close beside my Savior would my soul ever keep. He will lead me safely in the path that he has trod. Up to where they gather on the hills of God. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Everywhere he leads me, I would follow. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee today for Thy mercies, which fail not. Bless this broadcast to all who listen. Remember the needy in the world everywhere, the sorrowing and the troubled. We pray that Thou wilt sustain religious liberty and freedom throughout the earth. In Jesus' name we ask it all. There is a place of quiet rest. sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, 
sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee, near to the heart of God. Several years ago, a renowned biblical scholar said that the Bible is the most exciting book in the world. It looks at life frankly, glosses over nothing, and page after page reads as if it were yesterday. Modern scientists and journalists use the Bible as a blueprint. It's an historical authority. It contains several volumes of the finest literature ever written. And more than anything else, it has the answers to so many of our personal problems. 
And now let's listen to the King's Herald as they sing an old song. I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger. I can tarry, I can tarry but a night. Do not detain me for I am going to where the fountains are ever flowing. I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger. I can tarry, I can tarry but a night. There the sunbeams are ever shining. Oh, my longing heart, my longing heart is there. Here in this country so dark and dreary, I long have wandered forlorn and weary. I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger. I can tarry, I can tarry but a night. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, on Jordan's stormy banks. For hundreds of years, a big lump of something, it looked like a stone, lay in a shallow brook in North Carolina. People passing by saw only a rock, an ugly one at that. One day, a poor man came by and picked it up. He saw in it a heavy lump, very handy to hold his door ajar. Finally, a geologist passing through that part of the country stopped by the poor man's door, and instantly he saw a lump of gold, the largest ever found east of the Rocky Mountains. When Jesus was here on earth, many saw him only as a Galilean peasant, a carpenter. Some stopped to listen to him, saw him as a prophet, a great teacher. Those who looked more closely saw him as the Messiah or the Christ. They worshipped him. Those who came nearest of all saw the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There are people today who see Jesus only as an interesting figure. They hastily pass along. Some see him as a perfect man, great teacher, and get nothing more from him than a good example, his wonderful life. Others look more closely, and they see him as Christ, the Lamb of God, the divinely chosen sacrifice and Savior. By seeing him in this way, by faith, they realize that their greatest need is to be saved from their sins personally. They come to him for salvation. They find it gloriously. Friend, when you look at Jesus, what do you see? When our Savior came to this world as a babe in Bethlehem, he didn't arrive suddenly, unexpectedly. He came as previously announced. The holy prophets had written of him in the Old Testament. Those prophecies were available to the whole world, especially the people of Israel. It was their privilege, their duty, to announce the glorious news to the world. 
but in this they failed. Not only did Jesus come as a babe as predicted long before, read Isaiah 7:14 to prove it, and in the very little town announced by the prophets centuries preceding the event, read Micah 5, verse 2, but he came on time. And that's the main point of this talk today. The prophet Daniel announced the very year, yes, the season of the year, in which the Messiah, now that word means Christ, would appear to begin his holy ministry. We find this prophecy in the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. While the people of Israel were in captivity in Babylon, their city Jerusalem lay in ruins. The temple was destroyed. At last, the 70 long years of their captivity were nearly over. And Daniel, God's man, prayed earnestly about the future. Was it not time for God's people to return to their own land? What would happen now? His prayer was answered. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. I'm reading now verse 24. Here's what God said. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. That's the Jewish people. And upon thy holy city, that's Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, make an end of sins, make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, anoint the most holy. Seventy weeks means 490 days, of course, but in this prophecy, every day really stands for a year. That's clear from reading other scriptures, Numbers 14:34, for instance. 490 years are determined, that is, cut off or decreed upon the Jewish people. But notice the six things, the six acts of divine grace to be performed within the compass of those 70 weeks. To finish the transgression, that is, Jesus was to be put to death. To make an end of sins or sin offerings. When Jesus died on the cross, you see, there was no need of offering lambs anymore to point forward to what was coming. It had already happened. Jesus himself said it's finished and he died. To make reconciliation for iniquity. Well, Jesus took our place before the broken law of God, you see, and reconciled us to God. To bring in everlasting righteousness. Well, that's done when the righteousness of God is freely given to every believer. Righteousness by faith. To seal up the vision and the prophecy. The fulfillment of this great prophecy of 70 weeks sets the seal of truth upon the vision and prophecy itself to anoint the most holy. This refers to a place, not a person, and was accomplished at the beginning of our Savior's work as high priest in heaven after he ascended from the Mount of Olives. But when did the 70 weeks of years begin? Now we read the 25th verse of Daniel 9. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Christ shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. This decree to restore and build Jerusalem was issued by King Artaxerxes of Persia. He was ruling over Israel as well as the rest of the world at that time, the civilized world. It was proclaimed in 457 before Christ, a very certainly established date. According to this verse, 69 of the 70 weeks brings us to the appearance of the Christ, or the Messiah. The full 490 years from 457 bring us to 34 A.D., of course. 69 of the weeks, 483 of the years, bring us to A.D. 27, 
Now listen to this. This shows you the wonder of this prophecy. Since the history of the return of the Jews from Babylon to Jerusalem shows that the decree actually went forth in the autumn of the year, the end of the 69 weeks would occur in the autumn also. So here's a definite prophecy given 500 years before the event that the true Christ, the true Messiah, the Lord Jesus, would actually appear to begin his ministry in the autumn of A.D. 27. Now there's the prophecy, hundreds of years before. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The wise men said, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? Matthew 2, 2. They were looking for the king Messiah. But his work did not begin when he was born. Nearly 30 years later, he came to the Jordan River to be baptized of his cousin John the Baptist. Now we read Daniel 9.26. Here we see that in the midst of the last or 70th week, the Messiah would be cut off or die, not for himself, for others. That would be in 31 A.D. Three and a half years back from that brings us to the autumn of A.D. 27. And that's when our Savior did appear on the banks of the Jordan River. John didn't wish to baptize him. He didn't feel worthy. Jesus said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew 3.15. Jesus knew he was fulfilling prophecy. There on the banks of the Jordan it took place. And there, as he came up from the water of baptism, the Holy Spirit appeared in bodily form as a dove and lighted upon him. The voice of God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This coming of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus is spoken of as his anointing. Acts 10.38 How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So he became the anointed one. Do you know what the word anointed is in Greek? Christ. In Hebrew? Messiah. So you see, friends... Jesus became officially the anointed, the Christ, there at his baptism, exactly on time. Here on the banks of Jordan, Jesus began his work as our Christ. The old Christian song, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand, and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie, looks forward, of course, to the time of final redemption. But that was made certain for us by the work of the Savior, which began right there on the banks of Jordan. He's the true Messiah, the true Christ. He came as a babe, as the prophet. He said he would come. He was born of a virgin, as the prophet said he would be born. And now we see he came on time, the very year, the very time of year, predicted in holy writ. And that's why, as soon as he went out to preach, after his baptism, he said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Mark 1, 15. What was the time he referred to? Daniel's prophecy, of course. So, you see, it was all fulfilled exactly according to the prediction of the Holy Bible. Can anyone reject Jesus and say that we do not know who he was? In saying that, we admit that we do not know as much as the devil knows. For when they saw him, these devils and the devil himself, they said, We know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Mark 1.24 Lecky, the skeptical historian, said, The three short years of the public ministry of Jesus have done more to soften and regenerate mankind than all the moralizing of all the moralists and all the philosophizing of all the philosophers 
since the world began. But the three and a half short years of his ministry did more than that. They provided salvation for every soul who will accept it by faith. Jesus himself said that Daniel was a prophet. Read that in Matthew 24:15. How can we deny it then? Jesus really gives the words of Daniel the same authority as his own words by calling him a prophet of God. So we see the ancient prophecy proves that Jesus Christ is the true Messiah and the true Savior, yours and mine, if we will have it so. God said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Why not hear him? Well, the banks of the Jordan may indeed be stormy for us at times, and life full of trials and tribulations. In Christ we shall have peace, peace eternal, because Jesus is our Savior and because he has redeemed us from our sins upon the cross. A number of years ago it was my privilege to hear Paderewski play the piano in one of the largest auditoriums of the West. The place was crowded to the limit. Many were standing hour after hour. The interest mounted and mounted. And the great artist's exhibition of skill did not end until he had answered over 20 curtain calls. It was an experience never to be forgotten. Wonderful, superb, magnificent. After such a demonstration, musical attainment, one goes home and looks at the piano and is willing to sell it to the first man who would be foolish enough to buy it. Such is the effect of a tremendous, unequaled example upon us. What we need is not merely a great example, but a great Savior, one who can deliver us from our weakness and our sin. A good example may be followed in our weak way, but it cannot blot out the blank record of the past. We need the blood of Christ's atoning sacrifice to do that. To hear Paderewski play will not make us play like the great artist. But if Paderewski could incarnate himself within us, then we could play as he played. The Christian life is not something we can live on our own strength. The only way it can be lived is by looking at Christ as our example, by Christ living in us through the Spirit. Christ in you. The hope of glory, says the apostle, Colossians 1, 27. The Christian life is not Christ and I, but Christ in me. This is our hope and our only hope, but our gloriously sufficient hope. So by faith, we see Jesus fulfilling prophecy on the banks of the Jordan. We recognize him as the Christ of God, our Redeemer, the Jesus of the cross. Then when we know him that way, we can truly sing, and then only can we sing the old hymn. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Yes, and we can sing the chorus too. We shall rest in the fair and happy land. Just across on the evergreen shore, sing the song of Moses and the Lamb, and dwell with Jesus evermore. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. 
We will rest in the fair and happy land Far across on the evergreen shore Sing the song of Moses and the Lamb by and by And dwell with Jesus evermore When shall I reach that happy place And be forever blessed When shall I see my Father's face And in his bosom rest We will rest in the fair and happy land Far across on the evergreen shore Sing the song of Moses and the Lamb by and by And dwell with Jesus evermore Perhaps the greatest advocate of brotherhood was Jesus Christ he spoke of the responsibilities of Christians to their fellow men in the words of the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. This is Orville Iverson of the Voice of Prophecy saying, May God help you during this week to go forward in faith. Have faith in God. On Jordan's stormy bank, he stood. Have faith in God. Jesus, the kind and good, have faith in God to save us if we would. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope this program of the Voice of Prophecy has served to give you spiritual strength for the coming week. And now we invite you to join us at the same time next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. Friends, be sure and listen to the Voice of Prophecy on April 21. That date again, April 21. Be sure and listen. We will have a very wonderful announcement to make that day. In the meantime, we earnestly solicit a place in your prayers and in your correspondence. May we have a letter from you the springtime is here. It's time for new life everywhere. So write to us soon. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Oh.